0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Last week we started with a new series called Some Things Are Made to Last. Some things are made to last. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some things that I inherited from my grandfather that, that is as good today as the day he bought it probably. Now, although it's 80 years old, it works better than anything sometimes I buy in the shop nowadays. It just works better. Now, there's a, there's a saying that people use. It says they don't make it like that anymore. They don't make it like that, or they don't make it like it's used to, or, or they like it they used to. Now, nowadays, everything is made cost effectively um, so that it can be replaced in a few years. And I mean, we all know it. when you buy a cell phone, Cell phone companies, it's proven that they make cell phones to last up to two years and then whatever happens after that, they don't, they don't really worry because they want you to upgrade. Now, a couple of months, just, uh, I think uh, the month just before we started, go, went into lockdown, our geezer broke. And a guy came in and the, the insurance fixed it and the plumber was here. And as he fixed the geezer, he said, this, is, this geezer is about 25 years old. And I said, like, man, that's amazing. But that's. I mean, it's good to know that the next one will hold that long. He said, no, no, you'll probably see me within five years. Because this Jesus only mate my, my to last for five years. Because <laughs> the companies need to make money. Now, looking at that, we can surely say they don't make it like they used to. They don't make it like they used to. But what do they make that can last forever? Now, the Bible says something amazing. And our core scripture is from 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 it's on here on the screen and you can read it with me it says the following 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 and new living translation says three things will last forever faith hope and love which the greatest of these are love and we're going to speak about that next week faith hope love three things that the bible says will last into eternity that means that whatever we build into our lives in terms of faith, hope, and love will last into eternity. Not just for today, tomorrow, or will break in five years. No, no. It is something that we invest in. We deposit gifts and, and things into this in our lives. As our faith grows, as our hope grows, as our love grows, it will last forever. Now, last week we started the series looking at faith. Which was the first thing Paul spoke about that will last forever. Now, now we spoke about the value you have. Um, sorry, the value you, you have for faith in your life. You see, what things will impact the value of faith you have? What are those things? Do you value the things of the world more than your faith, or do you value faith more and do you invest more in your faith? You see, you I need to we need to mature our faith on a daily basis. Now today I want to look at the word hope hope now there's there's this amazing story i want to start out with a number of years researchers researched or uh, researched the the um sorry let let me let me rephrase a number of years ago researchers um, um performed an experiment to see the effect hope has on suffering so what 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 kind of hope do you have while you suffer so what they did is they took two categories, two sets of laboratory rats. And they put the rats in tubes of water. So the, the tube was halfway full of water and then they put the rats in so the rats can't climb out. And they left one tube of rats, they just left. And within an hour all the rats drowned. But the other tube they took, they, they actually periodically took one rat every 10 minutes, took it out for a minute to rest. And then they put it back and then they took the next one out and they put it back in. And, and the second set of rats that they did periodically took, took out. They swam for over 24 hours straight. Now maybe you ask why or how did they do that? So it's not because they were given a rest. <laughs> it's because they suddenly had hope. You see, these animals somewhere, somehow hoped that if they could stay afloat, Just for a little bit longer, someone would rescue or reach out down and rescue them. Now, if hope holds such a strong power for rats, how much more for us as humans? How much more when when we know that there's life for us? Now, I love the word hope. I just love the word hope. And the reason why is because when there's hope, there's always a possibility that something good will happen. There's always a possibility. When you have hope in your life. Now, for the normal the normal definition of hope in the world, if you use that, it it says the following. It says it is a desire for something to happen. The normal thing for hope. It's a normal definition. It's a desire for something to happen. Or maybe in the worldly terms, it's to wish for something, to wish for something. But if you look at the word or the biblical word of hope, it means totally something totally different. It means the following. It says it is a joyful anticipation. Of good, let me say that again. It is a joyful anticipation of good. That's the biblical meaning of hope. Now, how many of you have truly been joyful before in your life? Truly joyful, not just happy about something, but joyful about something. It's like a retired couple who walked into Checkers or in a grocery store, and the bells and whistles and the, the lights went off, and they were the one millionth customer, and they just won a car. And they went berserk. They were nuts. And people thought, well, that's, that's quite joyful. But they didn't know that these couple walked everywhere they wanted to go because they never owned a car in their life. And they were retired already. And for the first time, they won a car. You see, when you think about those things, you think about exuberantly joyful. I'm joyful beyond anything that I can think of. But see a joyful ante- anticipation of good a joyful anticipation of good is basically having joy before you get what you hope for That's what it is Let me let me rephrase it A joyful anticipation of good is basically having joy before you get what you hope for You see the biblical word of hope is actually measured in joy that is expressed before there is anything to be rejoicing about Isn't that amazing that is true hope and true joy. So we need to realize there is a strong relationship between hope and joy. A very strong relationship between the two. Now when you find hopelessness, you will never find joy. Wherever you walk into a place of hopelessness, there will never be joy. But there, where there is great joy, there is always great hope. Always. They go hand in hand. Now... The word says, in His presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Whenever God's presence comes into your life, whenever you experience God's presence, you can't help it. There is just fullness of joy. That's why people laugh in church when God's presence comes in, because there is fullness of joy. That's what, what David said. Now we all know that today, if you're looking at today's life and today's world, when we are reading, when you're reading the newspaper at the moment, watching the news, we are exposed to so many levels of bad news at the moment. But not just now, just for the last 10, 20 years, we're just exposed to bad news. Why? Because bad news sells. Um, I remember there was a newspaper in America who wanted, wanted to start a newspaper only publishing good news and it went bankrupt within a year. Because unfortunately, people are looking for bad news. They are looking for bad news, they want to hear what what terrible things have happened. Now never in any generation, never in any generation have we seen the impact that news have on the world till right now. I mean something bad in Beirut happens this week and within seconds it's right all over the world. On Facebook, on social media, everybody knows about it, 20, 30 years ago. We probably wouldn't find, find out about something big, major like that within a week until the news reaches all over the world. But till now, it is news, or the news right all over the world, it has a massive impact on us as human beings. Now, never in, something happened. Sorry, we live in a generation of instant information. <laughs> Did you know that? Instant information. You can open your cell phone, your smartphone, you can open Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, News24, whatever news agency you can open it. In seconds, you have instant information. And lots of it. <laughs> now I don't know if you. Sometimes you, you get overloaded with information, because we are living in an information age. Now if we of Christian believers are not careful. A steady stream of bad news will cloud our awareness of what God is doing and saying. What what stream of information and news are flooding into your life? Is it good or bad? Now constant bad news, unknowingly, unknowingly, if you have a constant flow of bad news, it will unknowingly position you to live and act defensively instead of taking God's leading. You see, when you hear bad news all the time, You're trying to defend your position. You're trying to invest, get insurance. All these things that is important, but you focus on so many things instead of listening to God's leading. Now the enemy chooses this strategy to bombard our minds, wanting to to pacify our hope for the future. Did you notice that? If you talk to anybody on the street today and you ask them, what do you think about the future? I mean, it would not be a fun conversation. Because everybody will sound hopeless about what we are about to face in the next year or two years or 18 months or or this or that. You see, that's the enemy strategy to pacify our hope for the future. I mean, I I remember so well, week two or three into the level five lockdown, our president was on the news and he said, you just need to get used to this pandemic thing to live with it for the next few years. Just get used to it. It's going to be part of our lives forever. And I just realized, I'm um, sorry, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to be part of that. I'm not going to let that mind or that thought or that bad news become a norm in my life. Because I serve a God who, who heals. He said, I serve a God who changes things. Who a pandemic is not greater than my God. And God didn't create me to walk with a mask all my, all my life. So we, I mean, I'm not going to let that bad news penetrate my life. Now... I don't know if you know, but hopelessness attracts the demonic. It, it just do. Whenever you are hopeless, you are attacked by the enemy even more in your life. It's like opening or putting a, <clears throat> a plate of meat outside on a table. It will attract flies. It's, it, there's not even, I'm thinking it will. It, it definitely will. It attracts flies. And it's the same as hopelessness in our lives. It attracts the demonic. It attracts oppression in your life. And that's why it's so important to, to, to guard our hope in our lives. You see, without hope, you cannot have faith. Because faith grows in a habitat of hope. It is so important. See, Hebrews 11 was once said, Faith is a substance of things we hope for. Very important. Now, Bill Johnson says in a, in a, uh, says said a very significant thing in a sermon I listened to. He said the following. He said, People will re- release the reality of the world they are most aware of. Either good or bad. They will release the reality of the world they are most aware of. What are you aware of? Bad news or good news? He says, like Paul and, Paul and John in Acts 5. There's a scripture of Paul and John. It says the following, verse 15 and 16. He says, Six sick people were brought out into the street, brought out into the streets, on bed and mat so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. You see people were so exuberantly looking for the miracle power that Peter and, and John carried. They just let the people lie in the street and as he walked by the shadow healed them. Now let me tell you something it's probably just me and it's not every, anywhere in the Bible. But if a depressed or a bitter or a hopeless person walk into a room no one will be healed by their shadow. No one. Why? Because they will release the reality they are most aware of. What reality are you more aware of than good news? Or than God? You see, it will determine the hope in your life and it's very important. Now I want to speak about two things this morning. Two very important. Just two things. I, I spoke about three things last week. And by the way, if you missed our sermon last week, go to our YouTube page or our YouTube channel The first sermon is on there. You can catch up if you finish listening to this one. Um, uh, You don't need to listen to to the first one to catch the second one. So today I'm going to use two points that I'm going to make. And the two points is the following. Number one is I'm going to speak about the power of joy that restores hope. The power of joy that restores hope. Now, in in honor of Women's Day this month, I want to use the, the example of a couple of women today. Powerful women. Woman who made waves of faith in the Bible and showed us that through faith and hope how they can change things around them. Now, you see the power of hope and courage in a time where so many people struggle with hopelessness is so important. I want to speak about those things, joy and courage. Number one, the power of joy that restores hope. Now in Luke 1, we read about a woman named Elizabeth. But not just Elizabeth, Mary and Elizabeth. And there's a story about this too. Now the mother of Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. Now, um, I'm going to read Luke 1 verse 35 to 42. Now, before we get to verse 35, what happens before that? The angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, and he, he tells, them, tells her all these amazing things that she will birth the baby Jesus. Now let's read verse 35, it says the following. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The angel is speaking to Mary. So the baby baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. In her old age, that's very important, she became pregnant in an old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God never fails. Some translation says, is anything impossible for our God? Then Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Some transcript says it's to the town of Hebron, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. So she, listen, she just walked in and she said, Hi, Elizabeth. That's all she did. Look what happened. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. Exclaim uh, And exclaim to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Such a powerful moment. Such a powerful moment. I love um, the story about Mary and her journey of how she birthed Jesus. And the story before and after that. And But after the angel spoke to Mary, she hurried. uh, The next day, she hurried to the hill country of Judea to the house where Elizabeth stayed. Because she was so excited about the angels telling her that Elizabeth was pregnant and God just told her she's going to become pregnant by by conceiving through the Holy Spirit. Now what's important to see here is that Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit when she received the seed of Jesus. She was filled with the Spirit and power in that moment. And when she walked into the house of Elizabeth, she greeted her. And Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb and she was also filled with the Spirit. Now, this is a a powerful, powerful point. See, for me, what is amazing is that two women, God brought his power into the world, into the new covenant through two women. Isn't that amazing? Not evangelist, not a prophet, not a... Two women were filled powerfully with the Spirit. I love that. You see, God knew there is so much joy in childbirth. I know it's painful, it's suffering, it's this and that, but there is joy when you birth the child. And through joy you get hope for a future. Now, when Elizabeth felt the baby leap and experienced the filling of the Spirit, she shouted with joy of gladness. She shouted with joy. Now, let me me explain to you why this is so significant. It was so interesting interesting that this moment when when she was six months pregnant that the baby leaped. Now they say when a woman is six months pregnant the baby fetus actually are declared human. That's why abortion is so criminal. When a baby is six months pregnant the fetus are declared actually fully human and they can experience emotions from six months. So when John the Baptist was filled with the spirit of the baby. He actually could experience the infilling of the Spirit and that's why he leaped. Isn't that amazing? Now if we read Luke 1 from the start, we'll see that Elizabeth was barren for all her life. She was barren for a long time. That's why she became pregnant at an old age. Now for a woman to be barren was a very shameful thing. There was actually a decree in the law of the Jews that you can divorce a woman if she's barren and she can't bear children. Now... Apart from just being shameful, I think she, had struggling, she was struggling with hopelessness in her life. Don't think about if this is the only thing that, you th- that, that will give you identity in the life. And, and that was one thing that gave women so much identity is to bear a son for their husband. And she couldn't. And I think she was so hopeless because of that. But God, through a miracle, through a miracle, changed her hopelessness into joy. Which turned into a life of hope. Isn't that amazing? Now when her husband Zacharias saw the angel, now le- let me give you a quick, quick backdrop. Her husband Zacharias was a priest, and he went into the, the, um, the, the highest of, uh, the, um, the holy of holies, <laughs> the Holy of holies, to burn incense. And actually drew drew to who has to go into that. And he was in there and he saw an angel. And the angel started speaking to him. said, you will receive a son. Your wife in her old age will receive a son. She will not be barren anymore. You will call him John. And his heart didn't believe it. So he became mute. And he stumbled out of the temple. Mute. Nobody knew what happened. Nobody knew what happened. So now, think about Elizabeth. She was barren. She was... That was shameful to her. Now she also had a mute priest of her husband. <laughs> it, it's even more hopeless than before. But I can believe that Zacharias, as he went home and re- uh, re- um, what do you call it, um, recovered from the shock of seeing an angel. So he tried to explain or mime or write down to Elizabeth, his wife, what happened in that in that holy of holies. And I, th- I think he explained to her, Listen, God said you're going to become pregnant. You're going to become pregnant and you're going to name his name John. And and she thought, I think when you are hopeless, you are hopeless. There's no hope. And I think there was this little seed of hope that came into her heart. And and she was trying to, and then she actually became pregnant. But when Mary walked into that room and the baby leaped and she could feel the filling of the Holy Spirit, suddenly hope restored, hope restored. And when God came and made a miracle in our life. So many of us are walking like Elizabeth. Are walking with concerns and doubts for the future. To be honest, you are are concerned to the future. You are concerned. You have doubts about what's going to happen. You are concerned about your finances, your business, your children, your family, your job. And because of all these things, there is hopelessness in your life. And you don't know how to handle this. You don't know how to get out of that. Now the power of joy can restore hope in your life. It can. Sometimes we just need to put a funny movie on and start laughing. So that joy can flash through your life. So that it can restore hope in your life. Now when we struggle with hopelessness. We need to know that when we encounter God. When we encounter His presence through the word and through prayer and through your devotions. And or maybe encountering His spirit. Joy will rise up. And hope will be restored. You see we need to in times of hopelessness eagerly seek God. So that he can restore joy in your life. You see in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. When we enter his presence we cannot be hopeless. It is impossible. Because God only has hope and joy. So when you want to restore. When you feel hopeless in your life. woman or men or wherever you are today. You feel hopeless about the situation you are in. Ask God for his presence in your life. Open that word. Start reading it. And as you flush yourself with the word and with prayer. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It just needs to be honest. God will come in with joy and hope and restore you. Like he restored Elizabeth. You see joy is a powerful weapon. To help us restore hope in our lives. You see God did a miracle for Elizabeth and Zechariah. When things didn't look perfect in their lives. Remember, it didn't look perfect. Elizabeth was barren. She had a mute husband. Nobody knew what was happening. Then she got pregnant. She didn't know how to tell people. Her husband I mean, it was crazy. And then in a moment, when the presence of God walked into that house, Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. She walked in and the presence of God touched Elizabeth. And the baby leaped and she was filled with the Spirit. You see, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, one word, can make a difference one word one greeting one blessing one prayer can make a difference never underestimate being filled with holy spirit and the power that it carries to restore hope in people's lives then number two i want to speak about courage now the courage to act intentionally restores hope we need courage in our lives but sometimes it needs to be intentionally and that will restore hope in our lives. The second point. Now, I want to speak about Queen Esther. Queen Esther. Now We all know the book of Esther in our lives. And and it's an amazing story. It's a fantastic story. Now, the Jews that Esther was part of were exiled in Persia. And a king needed a new queen. Why? Because his queen, Vashti, um, Spoke to him in, a, in, a, in a, a dishonoring way and he just killed her a very bad king He just killed her and said well, I need a new king a queen So he got all the beautiful ladies in the country together to pick one as his queen and part of that Lot of ladies was Esther among them because of her exuberant beauty now one of the kings one of the king's advisors called Haman he hated the Jews and he wanted to kill them all. He plotted to kill them, and and a guy called Mordecai, Esther's cousin, heard about this plot. Haman or Haman or Haman. Uncle. No, it was an uncle. Yeah. Salome, so just just uh, correcting. <laughs> her uncle. And and what happened is he heard about it and he he called Mordecai. He called Esther and said, "You need to speak to the king." Now that you are queen, you've got a position to speak to the king. Please go and save our nation. Save the Jews from extinction. Because that probably would have extincted them. Now, Esther then answered Mordecai. And she said, listen, you don't know, you don't know what I'm in. If I'm walking into the throne room of the king without him calling me, I will either be killed well I oh, I will have favor with the king so it's a 50-50 thing and he didn't call for me for 30 days already so i don't know if he wants to speak to me this is not just me going to the king and rubbing his back and speaking in his, i mean i mean no this is a, quite a serious thing if i go there and he shows his golden sceptre to me i have favor but if he doesn't i'm getting killed and then Mordecai answered this, the following. And it's in Esther 4, verse 13 and 14. You can read with me. It says, Mordecai sent a reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace, you will, escape, um, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief from the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Then he says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Such a powerful, powerful scripture. So we know what happened. Esther showed courage in a life or death, death or favor situation. The king showed her favor and she restored the Jews and their hope for the future. Powerful moment. She showed courage to walk into a situation in which she knew she could die. Now what a powerful woman of faith and courage. See Esther was living in an ungodly culture. Just to remind you. She was living in an ungodly culture as a Jew that knows that God is the living God. Now in today's world we are so many of us are facing ungodly cultures. We are facing ungodly social social circles. And it's not easy to steer our way through those things as a Christian, as a believer. Especially now when we are facing so much things and and the climate around the world is so up and down. Some people believe it's the end time. Some people believe um, we're never going to go outside again. I mean the climate is, is haywire. So how do we as believers face the challenges with hope for the future? It's a good question. It's always a good question to ask. How do we face this as believers? Now when we recognize a spiritual climate that is different from that of God and His kingdom, we have to live intentionally in the opposite spirit to that prevailing climate. It's very important to know that. It's important to hear. When we see a climate, to see a spiritual climate that we need to live in, we need to sometimes live in the opposite climate that's directed towards God and He's leading. You see, I can't walk into a business um, or, a, or a job environment or a thing that is ungodly and then and then falter under that climate. No, no. I need to rise out of that climate and go in the opposite spirit, trusting God to restore hope, trusting God to restore peace, trusting God to restore joy and bring righteousness wherever I put my feet. And that's exactly what Esther did. You see, if we fail to do this, we will be influenced by the negative atmosphere. And it happens so many times in our lives. We are, we are, being, we are being influenced into situations and into conversations that speak death in terms of, instead of life. You see, as believers, we are designed by God to be people of extraordinary hope. I want to challenge you this week. Whenever you're in a conversation and you hear hopelessness, what do you reply? Is there hope that comes? Or do you partner with that hopelessness that you hear? I've caught myself so many times in the last couple of weeks being in conversations. And as soon as I find myself, I'm partnering with that hopelessness. I'm saying, yeah, I don't know whenever we're going to do this. This is so bad. Instead, I need to rise up and say, you know what? God is a God of hope. He's he's got it in control. We're okay. It's going to be amazing. Just think about all the miracles around us. You see, I'm not looking at bad news, but I'm looking to see what God is doing. I'm looking for the good news around me. And it changes my atmosphere from atmosphere of hopelessness to joy. From atmosphere of hopelessness to hope. You see, as we are learning how to maintain hope in our lives, and we need to learn, How to maintain hope in our lives. Through tough times, one of the most important parts of a believer's life is to maintain that hope. Why? Because we attract what we are looking for. Did you know that? Whatever you are looking for in life, you will attract. If you are looking for hope, you will attract hope. If you are looking for lust, you will attract lust. If If you are looking for bad news, you will attract bad news in your life. It's it's the law of attraction. Now Esther was amazing. She wasn't influenced by an ungodly culture that she was living in. She had intentional courage that showed extraordinary hope in a time where there wasn't hope. If you think about a guy like Daniel, he lived in an ungodly culture, but he had hope. Why? Because he sought God's presence daily, three times a day. And because he had hope in his life, God changed and did miracles in his life. You see, as we are navigating through these times of pandemic and things that we are facing. And it is crucial for us as believers to be God's ambassadors of hope. You see, did you know that? You are an ambassador of hope in your job place, in the school, wherever you go, in the grocery store. Wherever you go, you are an ambassador of hope. Live like that. You see, if you are an ambassador of South Africa and you live in America and you start doing American things and you forget about where your identity lies, you will not be a very good ambassador. But we are ambassadors of hope, to live in a hopeless generation with hope, to restore hope in a hopeless generation. You see, we are supposed to be the fountain of hope for people that are thirsty. It's important for us to look for good news in our lives. And share it. Share that testimony. Share that good news that God is doing. So that that it can penetrate the bad news and hopelessness in lives. It's important for us to look at reports. To look for reports of God doing amazing things in our lives. In the midst of hopelessness. I mean I can tell you a bunch of things God has been doing in this pandemic time. Which is amazing. Businesses who are saved. Millions are lost and then even double of that being recovered just incredible people will get sick and they get healed people who praise for others and i mean it's just amazing i try to look for good reports so that it will flood my life see the bible is filled with amazing promises for us it's filled and the promise is not just for biblical times it is for now it is promises for me and you for now in our lives you see, if we, are look, if we are looking for bad news and we are, we are hungry for bad news, it's the bad news that we will attract. You see, we need to be that fountain of hope people are looking for. I've been in so many conversations in my life, and as I'm starting to speak about miracles and testimonies and what God is doing, I could see how people are hungry. And thirsty for those miracles and as good news. If you have a Facebook account, why don't you share some good news this week? Just say good, share good things. God has been good to me. Isn't God amazing? Just share it and let's flood the social media with good news this week. I mean share with friends over WhatsApp about the goodness of God in your life. You see, hope is like a magnet. I want to close with this. <clears throat> hope is like a magnet Now we all know what a magnet does it attracts things especially metal but hope is like a magnet see people with hope will attract others who are looking for the answer we carry. Now, If we are that magnet we will attract people that are looking for whatever we have in our lives. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you have anything but you attract, just attract people. I've been in conversations where I thought Man, it's so ungodly. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not saying anything. I feel out of place. And then just once people say, Henny, but you're so amazing. There's something different about you. We love having you here, man. It's so amazing. I know you're not saying anything, but just please come back. Why? Because we carry something in us that is hope for the next generation. Hope for people that is hopeless. That brings hope and joy in people that do not have joy. You see, just as Mordecai and Esther, who knows, maybe me or you or us are called for a time like this. We are called in a time like this where we need to speak hope instead of partnering with the hopelessness that the world is carrying. It's like Mordecai said to Esther, maybe this is a time where you needed to be queen so that you can save us. And I want to say to us today, maybe this is a time where you needed to be a believer in your job. In your workplace, in the place, in your family, wherever you are at. God has called you to be there in a time like this. So that you can speak hope into a situation where there's nothing. And I want to encourage us today to be fountains of hope to the people around us. To be a fountain of hope. See, fountains never stop bubbling up. Whatever is inside of us will come out. And I want to encourage you to... To impart God's good news, His word, His presence, His joy. Everything that God has in you so that when you speak that it will come out. I want to encourage you today that that whenever you, if you feel this morning that you feel that, Man, I feel hopeless. I just feel discouraged about things that are happening around me. I just feel that, Henny, can things ever change? Yes, they can. If you read the Bible, if you see God's goodness, if you experience His presence, if you experience His joy, <clears throat> if you really see who God is, you will never doubt that God has this. Did you know that God is not surprised by what we're going through? Absolutely not. God knows the future and the past. And He also said, no matter what you go through, I will give you the strength and the power to navigate through everything in life. And I just, I just carry that promise with me. That said, Lord, no matter what I face, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No matter what I face, you will give me the strength and the wisdom to walk through that. No matter what temptation, no matter what challenge. <clears throat> I want to I encourage you this morning to be the voice of hope. To be the fountain of hope in your family, in your workplace, wherever you go. Maybe to your neighbor, maybe to whoever God is reminding you about right now. I want to pray for you this uh, t- today. I want to pray for us. And I want to invite you. If you're feeling hopeless this morning, if you feel purposeless, if you feel that, Lord, I don't know where I fit in anymore. I just feel that I all hope is drained out, out of me. You see, God can restore that in one moment. Like as Mary walked into a place where Elizabeth is at. And with one word, just a greeting. Hi. God restored something that she was carrying for. for, for, uh, uh, Restored everything that she thought she lost. She had so much hopelessness and in one moment God restored hope. I want to pray for you. I want to trust God that within one word and one prayer today, online, maybe on your cell phone, on your laptop, wherever you're watching. That God can restore that place of hope in your life. And that that will be something that are made to last forever in your life. And that you will meant to maintain it and to keep that fountain flowing. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning. I pray for everyone watching this live stream. Lord, I pray for, for every heart who is hopeless at the moment, every heart who's struggling without joy. Lord, I pray that you in now, in this moment, restore that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you visit every person. And that you fill their hearts up right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you change every negative feeling into a feeling of joy, emotion of joy, emotions of hope. And that it will flood into every life right now. Father, I pray that you will change situations this week. And I pray, Father, that you remind us that we will share good news this week. That we will not be intimidated by bad news and let that flood into our lives or let the enemy bombard us with with bad news. But that we will come and we will look for good reports this week. We will seek out the good news of you doing things all around us. And that we will share it with so many people so that our words will restore hope in others lives. That we will be true ambassadors of the kingdom. Let's spread hope, Father. I thank you that today will be a good day. And I pray for every woman out there on Women's Day, Father. I thank you for every woman who's hopeless this morning. That you will restore their hope, like you've restored Elizabeth's hope. In a moment, even women out there today who who has a longing to get pregnant, and you don't know why God is not making this happen. Just trust Him. Trust His timing and His season. Father, I pray that You touch them this this morning. That You come and restore their hope in Your promise. Father, I pray for every man out there. I pray that we as men will honor the women around us. I pray that we as men will serve the women around us. And as we serve them and honor them, that there will be joy in their lives. And that we'll restore hope in them. And that they will have hope for others around them. Father, I pray for amazing family moments today. I pray for your goodness that will shower us as the rain comes down in Cape Town. And that's all we need, Father. All we really need is your presence, your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za